Welcome to worship at Edmonds United Methodist Church. No matter where you are on life's journey, no matter what you believe or doubt, no matter how much or how little you have, no matter your race, gender, or immigration status, and no matter whom you love, you are beloved, belong, and are welcome. We say these words every Sunday to remind ourselves that even though the world sometimes places limits on belovedness or worth, God doesn't. So friends, welcome. How did it get so late? <laughs> Good morning, friends. Welcome to worship at Edmonds United Methodist Church. My name is Pastor Donna, and I am the pastor appointed to serve this church. And this is Shelly Eney. I am the liturgist today. And we appreciate Shelly very much for stepping in and helping to lead what is the work of the people meaning all of us together. So I have a very sad announcement. I am no longer a unicorn. <clears throat> all these many months I avoided the COVID, but I had it this week <laughs> and I'm fine now. No longer positive, everything is good, but I'm gonna keep this mask on and I'm not gonna shake hands and I'm not gonna hug or kiss you. So, just for a week, we're going to be safe. Um, my friends, let's take a moment to welcome the people who are worshiping with us online this morning. Welcome. And now, without further ado, please rise in body or spirit for the call to worship. <clears throat> Hallelujah. We have come to worship. We gather to give thanks to God with all our hearts. Great are God's works, pondered by all who delight in them. Majesty and splendor mark God's deeds, whose righteousness endures forever. God is gracious, full of compassion, and welcoming to all. Hallelujah. So let us worship in God's presence. Let us worship in God's light and love. And now, my friends, as we begin our time of worship together, we want to reconcile our hearts to God and one another through the passing of the peace. You may share signs of peace with your partner, however you are both comfortable. And if you are worshiping online, I would encourage you to um, send a text to someone that you would want to bless with the peace of Christ this morning. My friends, the peace of Christ be with you all. And also with you.
This morning we have a great privilege and pleasure in that we are going to be receiving some new members into the life of this congregation. So I'd like to invite those folks to come forward at this time. And thank you so much for bringing your children with you because uh, we all know that we love to have them joining us as well today. So I'm gonna just have the microphone passed and I'm gonna invite you to tell us who you are and maybe how long you've been coming to this church and why you've chosen to join. And it doesn't have to be, you know, you don't have to be deep or philosophical. <laughs> you know, you could just say, because the pastor is so great. <laughs> and that'd be fine. <laughs> Good morning, my name is Igor. Been coming to this church um, since the summertime. We've been connected to this church for many, many, many years. Um, we were in California for many years. And so we weren't able to attend this church, but when we would come back to visit, we always would come and be part of the church. And this is my wife, Jennifer. Hello, I'm Jennifer Leonov, and this is? Taylor. And this is? Olive. Oh. So we have been coming to this church for a very long time. Um, my, my parents had really good friends that attended here a long time ago. And we really wanted to come back for community and also to provide a solid spiritual foundation for our kids. Good morning, church. I'm very excited to be up here with you today. My name is Jorge Valcarcel, and this is? Matthias. And my wife is a much deeper, much more philosophical person, so she will tell you all about us. Hi, my name is Ariana, and this is? Alessia. And um, we've been coming here for about a year, and you know, we originally found you guys um, with your amazing signs that you have outside, and we just really felt, I don't know, a call to be here, you know, a place that shares our progressive uh, Christian values. And we just want to thank you guys for being an exceptionally welcoming church and, you know, really making this a place where we feel like home. So we hope that we can serve in whatever capacity that we're able to. And we're just happy to be here with y'all. And the pastor's pretty good, too. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Jorge. I will pay you later. <laughs> Well, I would invite us now to turn our attention to the liturgy for new members. So membership in the United Methodist Church is a commitment to active faith through involvement with this local congregation. In joining this congregation of the United Methodist Church, you are asked to affirm this involvement by the grace of God and with the help of this community. So here are a few questions for you. Will you seriously and joyfully continue to seek a relationship with God as revealed in Jesus Christ? 
Will you affirm the faith described in the scriptures of the Holy Bible? Will you strive to faithfully live your life as a follower of Jesus? Will you pray and worship God through active participation in the spiritual life of this church? Will you willingly give of your time and money for the work of God through this congregation of the United Methodist Church? Will you work for justice, the ending of suffering, and the transformation of the world as an expression of your Christian life? Will you share the truth of your faith with others as the Spirit of God leads you? <clears throat> and now, members of this community of God, I commend these friends to your love and care. Do all in your power to increase their faith, confirm their hope, and perfect them in love. Join me now in the response. We give thanks for all that God has already given you and we welcome you in Christian love as members together with you in the body of Christ and in this congregation of the United Methodist Church. We renew our covenant faithfully to participate in the ministries of the church by our prayers, our presence, our gifts, our service, and our witness that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, I'd like to be the first to officially welcome all of you into membership. <clears throat> you can go ahead. Good morning. Um, before Annette comes up to lead the children's sermon, I wanted to do one last announcement since January has been our big push in communication regarding children and youth. So we have lots of very good and beautiful things going on. We are excited about growing a youth mentorship program, and we cannot do a youth mentorship program without mentors. So that's you. If you have any interest in being a mentor for a 7th to 12th grader, will you come find me and let me know? These youth are so worthy of being poured into, and I can tell you a little bit more independently what that would look like. So that's one announcement, and then the second announcement that goes hand in hand is we are actually looking for a part-time youth director. So I've been telling Pastor Donna pretty much since I began, this is way too big of a job for a singular person. And you named that youth and family is the number one priority. And look at you following through. We love it. So um, just note that we're looking to hire somebody about 15 hours per week. To be clear, the intention is that I still will be among the youth, so uh, we're not transitioning adults in and out with them always. Um, but this is just a person to enhance the program and add extra intentionality around it. So who do you know? Let us know who you know. Uh, maybe it's you. I don't know. Um, <clears throat> so those are the two announcements. Children, you can come on up for the... Children's Sermon, and Annette will lead you. Perfect. Good 
Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining me today. Oh, you brought your dolls up too. That's great. We're going to talk a little about forgiveness today. And my name is Annette. Hi. Oh, yeah, that's good. I have some really cool things to show you too. God teaches us about the importance of forgiveness and caring for each other. Can anyone tell me what forgiveness means to you? Forgiveness means um, that if someone says, if you do something to someone and then you say, I'm sorry, they accept it. That's right. That's good. Anybody else? That's great, exactly right. And it's so important that we understand each other and we're able to forgive each other, not just for ourselves, but for them too. I remember when I was in school, there was a boy that sat behind me and he would pull my hair and he would break my pencil and he just kept talking to me. And sometimes I would turn around and say, stop it. And I would get in trouble from the teacher. Has anything like that happened to you? No? Good. And I would get so mad, I would get angrier every time, and I would sit with him, and even if he wasn't doing anything, I was getting angry. And so every time I got angry, a little black spot happened on my heart. Can you guys see, come see in this little bowl for me? Come here. Every time I got a little angrier, and he would sit beside me, and he would pull my hair, and I would get a little angrier, and on my heart, I kept just filling that up just a little bit more. And no matter what happened, I would talk to my family and I would talk to my parents and I would say, I don't know what to do. And they would say, just forgive him and let it go. Even if he wasn't saying, I'm sorry. Can you imagine how hard that would be? Right, and God tells us that that's so important too. And what do you think it does when we forgive someone and we, we let that off of our heart? It takes a little bit away, and so that's the importance of forgiveness. Can you guys see? When we forgive someone, we clear our heart, and we are able to have a more pure heart for loving other people and caring for other people. What do you guys think? You think that's important too? Yeah. Yeah. You want to try? Here, dip your finger here first. Good. And dip it in. Oh, your heart's so clear and pure. Good job. So I'm curious, has anyone said I'm sorry to someone recently? Can you raise your hand if you've said I'm sorry or someone said I'm sorry to you? Yeah? Good. And did you mean it? Did your heart feel just a little bit better after you, you got forgiven? Good job. Yeah. All right, let's say a little prayer, and then we'll go back to Children's Church, okay? Are you ready for, to say a little prayer with me? Good. Dear God, thank you for teaching us the power of forgiveness. Please help us to ask forgiveness when we make a mistake. And help us forgive each other with kindness. And all God's children said? Amen. Good job. Okay, now head back and you'll go to Children's Church. Thanks, guys.
Amen, indeed. I'd like to give just a few words of introduction to the scripture, which Shelley will read for us this morning. It is one of the Psalms, and this one happens to be an acrostic psalm, 
which means that in Hebrew, the first letter of every line of the poem begins with a successive letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Now, this form of poetry is fairly common with the Psalms. The writers have used this acrostic format to help people memorize the words and the message of the psalm. There's no clue in the words themselves as to when it was written or the context to indicate who the writer was nor why it was written. It is classified by biblical scholars as an individual hymn of thanksgiving, that is giving God thanks in delivering the writer from a life-threatening situation. But this particular psalm is a little bit unusual because the words of thanks do not recount an event of God's delivering an individual, but rather God's deliverance of an entire community. When the author give God, gives thanks for God's wonderful deeds, the Hebrew word used means something I simply cannot understand or something different, striking, remarkable. Likewise, it's interesting to note that when God is described as awesome in this psalm and the author suggests that our response should be to fear the Lord, the Hebrew word used here for fear appears as a synonym for love or cling to or serve. So in other words, for this psalmist, to fear God is to love God, to cling to God, to serve God. At its root, this word denotes obedience to God's will and being present to the awesome nature of God, rather than the sweaty-palmed, gasping-for-breath kind of fear that we might sometimes imagine. Let's listen now as Shelley reads the scripture for us. I'm so sorry. Marlene. Good morning, church. My name is Marlene Lund. My pronouns are she and her. Please rise in whatever ways are meaningful to you for the reading of the scripture. This morning's scripture reading is Psalm 111 in the Common English Bible Version. Praise the Lord. I thank the Lord with all my heart in the company of those who do right, in the congregation. The works of the Lord are magnificent. They are treasured by all who desire them. God's deeds are majestic and glorious. God's righteousness stands forever. God is famous for his wondrous works. The Lord is full of mercy and compassion. God gives food to those who honor him. God remembers his covenant forever. God's handiwork is honesty and justice. All God's rules are trustworthy. 
They are established always and forever. They are fulfilled with truth and right doing. God sent redemption for his people. God commanded that his covenant last forever. Holy and awesome is God's name. Fear of the Lord is where wisdom begins. Sure knowledge is for all who keep God's laws. God's praise lasts forever. For the word of God in scripture, for the word of God among us, for the word of God within us. Thanks be to God. Please join in singing the hymn of preparation. and peace to you from God and from Jesus Christ who calls us together this day. I remember the very first time I ever drove a car with a built-in GPS system. Imagine that. 
It was in a rental car I had picked up in Denver when I was on a little trip with my daughter, Kate. We decided that we would take a little jaunt up to a small town in the mountains just west of Denver. So I punched in that destination and I let the car tell me how to get there. Well, along the way, I made a spur of the moment decision to detour from the established route and swing by an old ghost town several miles off the beaten path. As soon as we left the main road, the GPS system started giving this helpful advice. You've heard this. It said, recalculating. Make a legal U-turn. Well, I ignored it, and soon we were told, recalculating. As soon as possible, make a legal U-turn. This went on a few more minutes until finally, in what seemed like a fit of some exasperation, as if it were my spouse, <laughs> the disembodied voice of the GPS rather pointedly informed us, you have gone too far off the route. I can no longer give you directions. <laughs> well, I don't know about you, but I can almost hear God's voice in this little exchange. How many times, I wonder, does God want to say to me, or to you for that matter, Fine, then. You don't want to listen? You don't want to follow? You have gone too far off the route. I can no longer give you any directions. The truth is, we all wander off from God's path from time to time. We all take wrong turns and spur of the moment, even ill-considered detours. And sometimes, we are simply wrong. And yet, as we've learned these past few weeks during this sermon series, there is not only wisdom, there is also blessing to be found for us when we recognize and are willing to admit, aha, I might be wrong. It is true what I suggested a few weeks ago, being wrong helps us learn and grow. Being wrong invites us to listen. Being wrong makes space for mystery. And recalculating with God's grace, that's what we do repeatedly as people of faith. Many years ago, an African-American seventh grader from segregated Daytona, Florida, prepared to board a train for Jacksonville, where he would attend high school. His family had left him at the train station with enough money for the fare, but not enough money to put his luggage on the train. This young man was stranded. His dream of education, of making a difference in the world, of even just making a way for himself, in the world. It all seemed to have ended before it began. As he began to cry, a stranger came by, asked what was wrong, 
and promptly paid the bill for him. This was that boy. He got his education, graduating first from high school and then college and then graduate school. And later he became the first African-American dean of Boston University, an overwhelmingly white institution. It was there at BU that he mentored, among others, a young PhD student by the name of Martin Luther King Jr. And somewhere along the line of his impressive credentials, Howard Thurman preached, not once but twice, right here at Edmonds United Methodist Church. You see, Thurman was largely responsible for introducing King to Gandhi's ideals of nonviolent protest. And King embraced Thurman's own philosophy of common ground, which he later developed into his vision of the beloved community. You see, Howard Thurman understood the need for Christians to constantly recalculate, to listen for God's direction for the inner life and to translate it into the outer community. Thurman once remarked, there are two questions we have to ask ourselves. The first is, where am I going? And the second is, who will go with me? If you ever get these questions in the wrong order, you are in trouble. My friends, as we look around for companions on our journey, when we try to drum up a nice, impressive entourage and make that our first concern, when we first ask, who will go with me? Before we discern, where am I going? We are in desperate need of recalculating. The psalmist knew this to be true. Why else would they have written so extensively their praises of God's wonderful works? Why else would they repeatedly extol those things transcending the power of human intelligence and imagination? Why else would they point constantly to the good life that has its foundation in loving God? If we today understand that to fear God is for the psalmist the same as clinging to God, recognizing God's mystery, standing in awe of God, then we see this is what gives us the courage and offers us the strength to recalculate, to ask from time to time, where exactly am I going? I may have shared with you one of my favorite poetic interpretations of recalculating. I believe it bears repeating. Portia Nelson calls it her autobiography in five chapters, and this is how it goes. Chapter one, I walk down the street there is a deep hole in the sidewalk. 
I fall in. I am lost. I am helpless. It isn't my fault. It takes me forever to find a way out. Chapter 2. I walk down the same street. There is a deep hole in the sidewalk. I pretend I don't see it. I fall in again. I can't believe I'm in the same place, but it still is not my fault. It still takes a long time to get out. Chapter three. I walk down the same street. There is a deep hole in the sidewalk. I see it is there. I still fall in. It's a habit. (laughs) My eyes are open. I know where I am. It is my fault. I get out immediately. Chapter four. I walk down the same street. There is a deep hole in the sidewalk. I walk around it. Chapter five. I walk down another street. (laughs) Well, this morning, my friends, I wonder, what is the hole you find yourself perpetually falling into? Perhaps it is a pattern of communication that always leaves you feeling misunderstood. Or maybe you find yourself choosing the same kind of partner who does not bring out the best in you. Or possibly you find the holes reserved for worry, anxiety, or stress, and you fall into them over and over again. Or what about those donuts in the cupboard or the chair where you spend too many hours every day or the loneliness that invites you to slide into despair, or you fill in the blank. What is the hole you most often choose? For whatever it is, it can take a lot of chapters and a fair amount of recalculating to open up a view of a completely different street. Falling in, being wrong, that's not a sign that you are a failure. But refusing to recognize it or deciding to simply sit in your hole of choice and sulk, well, that leads nowhere good, nowhere creative, nowhere life-giving. That leads nowhere, period. So the task for us is recalculating again and again. And the first step, whether trying to find directions for your travel or directions for your life, the very first step is to recognize, aha, I might be wrong. For only then can you choose to walk down a new street, a street of possibility and hope and grace. Thanks be to God. Amen.
As we come into a time of prayer, I would invite you to take a look at the prayer concerns listed in the bulletin. We'll take a few moments in silence and give you an opportunity to lift to God these who are listed and those closest to your own hearts this day. Let us pray. Oh, loving God, we hear your call to live in charity and steadfast love. To abide with you is surely to practice charity, forgiveness, mercy to one another, for the world around us, and even for ourselves to recognize there will be times when we, each of us, must recalculate. We must recognize when we have been going in the wrong direction or have forgotten exactly where it is we are heading at all. Give us the strength and the courage to be honest about our mistakes, to be humble, and to be gracious, even unto ourselves. Give us the courage and the strength to follow your recalculations. For the sake of each of our souls, but also for the sake of this world, so desperately in need of recalculation. All this we offer in the name of Christ, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial. Deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. <clears throat> My friends, as you know, we are in the middle of our annual fund drive, or sometimes called the stewardship campaign. In any event, now more than ever, we need to hear a word from Ed Eggerdahl. 
Good morning, church. My name is Ed Egerdahl, and I am today's designated hitter with a pitch for the stewardship drive. So make yourself comfortable, folks. <laughs> Pastor Donna has given me five minutes this morning, and somehow I've misplaced my watch. We started last Sunday with encouraging words from Chuck and Mary. You should have also received your pledge cards in the mail by now. When it comes to cheerleading a budget slash stewardship drive, there are different directions that you can go. One might be to suggest that individuals try to reduce discretionary spending where they can so as to reallocate those savings towards the pledge drive. You know, foregoing a latte a week really adds up, that sort of thing. Well, another example of that concept features my old friend, the well-meaning Norwegian Oli Olsen. Anybody ever heard of Oli? Well, Oli had agreed to serve on the stewardship committee at his church. And at the very first meeting, they were discussing different strategies. And uh, they had discussed this business about, well, if there were certain things that you didn't have to spend money on, you could take that same money and use it towards the stewardship drive. Oli thought about that. And at the end of the meeting, he said, I'm going to put that into practice tonight. Well, when he finally got home from the meeting, he came in the front door and he was huffing and puffing and panting. And his wife, Lena, said, Oli, why are you so out of breath? I, I just have to, as a, an aside here, say, I was a Norwegian language teacher for 43 years, but what I can't do is fake a Norwegian accent in a joke. So Oli said something like this, Vel, we were talking about different ways that we could save money. And, uh, and I decided that instead of riding the bus home, I would run behind it all the way home. And Lena said, why would you do that? And he said, I saved $1.50. And Lena said, oh, if you had only run behind a taxi, you could have saved $10. Another obvious element for trying to inspire participation in a possible stewardship drive comes from a story that Pastor Donna tells about one of her colleagues. That pastor was determined to personally contact every member of the congregation that she could. And in doing that, she had a stack of pledge cards sitting in the passenger seat of her car. So whenever she was out driving around, she would bring one of those cards by the house and talk individually to people. Well, one day she had just gotten the oil changed in her car and she was out driving and she thought, well, I'm just a couple of blocks away from the Larson house. I'll just stop by and make sure they have a pledge card. So um, she pulled off the road, used her GPS, found the house, parked the car, took the pledge card from the passenger seat and walked up to the front door and knocked on the door. And uh, there was no answer. So she knocked again and there was still no answer. So she got out a pen and, uh, and she wrote, sorry I missed you, have a great day, signed her name and put the pledge card under the doormat. 
And as she was turning to leave, out of the corner of her eye, she thought that she saw some movement inside of the living room window. So she went back to the door and she knocked again, still no answer, knocked again. She took the pledge card out from under the doormat, got her pen, and she wrote down Romans 3.20. Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in. Well, that next Sunday after the service, the pastor was done and was going to go into her office. And as she walked through the, the atrium to the office, that's where the people were counting that day's offering. And someone said, Pastor, there's a letter for you that was dropped in the offering plate and hands her the envelope. So she takes the envelope, goes into her office, opens up the envelope, and there's that same pledge card. But attached to it with a paper clip is a check. And attached to the check is a little sticky note that says, Genesis 3.10. I heard you in the garden, but I was afraid because I was naked and I hid. <laughs> okay, that's the first of my five minutes that I was allotted. But don't worry, when I'm finished, I'll stop. Enough about Oli and Donna's colleague. Here's my story. In September of 2022, I was asked by Diana Nielsen to give a stewardship talk on that year's theme, All Hands on Deck. You remember that one? It was the most previous one. Um, I reminded us of the fact that as a ferry boat community, we in Edmonds know that All Hands on Deck is an emergency term. I soft-pedaled that aspect of my talk and simply said that the hands were most likely working out of sight on the bridge steering the ship or below deck seeing to the greasy details of the operation with all hands working quietly together steering the good ship safely on its course. In December of that year, my wife Lori and I were at the Christmas Bazaar downstairs, and there we saw Pastor Donna standing at a table displaying her lovely painted silk scarves. We struck up a conversation that ended oddly with Donna curiously starting to sing in my direction. All we need for Christmas is a treasurer, a treasurer, yes, a treasurer. The next month, I found myself the church's new treasurer. The 2023 budget had already been hashed out by the finance committee before I came on board. What was left was plenty of hard conversation and eventual approval by the admin board with me as its newest member. During that process, it dawned on me just how serious the call of all hands on deck truly had been. 2022 was not a good year in the financial life of this congregation. The upset of COVID was still lingering, spending was up to normal levels and beyond, while giving lagged behind. It was an unsustainable course, so cuts were implemented, deep cuts. It was also true that not everyone on the staff was fully comfortable with the intricacies of just how to classify, record, and track all possible expenditures on a deadline every month. 
You see how diplomatic I'm being here, David? Oh, sorry. <laughs> He's sitting right there. <clears throat> it was time to rethink everything. Tighten the reins, circle the wagons, and take control as best we could. We hired Ellen, our in-house accountant. That helped a lot. We also worked hard to maintain an optimistically pragmatic view of the future. Months of stabilization followed. Things slowly got better. In our ongoing discussions, a light went on. Instead of some pared-down budget determining what goals we would dare to afford, we needed to form an agreed-upon set of priorities that the congregation together would own. Thus began the first steps in the strategic planning process. In the end, there was participa participation that far exceeded our hopes. As 2023 continued along, the financial numbers continued to improve, entirely more positive than we had ever thought possible. We were far ahead of our mediocre expectations. Fittingly, we l need look no further than the bulletin cover for this morning. Aha, we might be wrong, recalculating again. When it came time to put together the 2024 budget, it was based solidly on the goals of the strategic planning teams. Pastor Donna met with every priority team to hear their hopes and dreams and discuss just how that would translate into the new budget. She and church administrator Denise Williams met with every staff member who oversees their own portion of the budget to hear what they needed to accomplish fulfilling their goals. We compared all of that fresh input of goals against the fabulous actual revenue numbers for 2023 and acted as follows. We hired Jennifer, who, was, who just became a member today as a full-time office coordinator. We allocated money to hire a full-time, a half-time uh, youth leader, as Karin was telling us earlier, and that there's an active selection process underway. We've given a cost of living adjustment to all staff members for the first time in a long time. We've added funds reflecting each priority team's set of goals. We've added money to the previously depleted trustees reserve account. We've increased the compensation package for the full-time pastor position. We've added meaningfully, see how excited I'm getting? We've, we've added meaningfully to the emergency assistance program. We've negotiated a new lease with the Ballard Food Bank. We are currently finalizing the finance strategy for the installation of solar panels on the church later this spring and summer, as enunciated by the social justice environmental team and approved by the admin board. We are finalizing the job description of a communication specialist we hope to hire if the budget allows for it. Anyone excited yet besides me? <laughs> that would be a yes, right? Good because all of this is fully funded with a budget estimate exactly the same as our fabulous actual revenues of 2023. If any of this is news to you, then that acts as proof that all hands were in fact both below deck, 
quietly seeing to the mechanics of this church, and that the captain and her bridge crew were skillfully navigating us through those rough waters, guiding us on our charted course. This all the while that the Holy Spirit was moving powerfully to encourage and inspire us to give above and beyond. We, the congregation, have strategically and prayerfully identified our priorities and our goals. The admin board's financial team has determined what it will take to accomplish exactly that for 2024. Now what's left is for us to put our money where our mouth is. Eyes wide open. What's left is for us to come with our collective contributions of time, energy, talent, ideas, encouragement, prayers, and wait for it, your financial pledge. Talking about great ideas, talking about strategic priorities is not only cheap, it's free. We can talk all we like, but action is what's going to make this all a reality. Fostering those great ideas and making these big plans come to fruition actually costs money and a lot of it. However, we have dramatically surpassed expectations before, in fact, very recently, and now more than ever, you see, I got that in there. <laughs> and now more than ever, we can do it again, and we will do it again. And may God bless this holy endeavor. Thank you. Amen. And I'm done. <laughs> well, after that wonderful invitation by Ed, I am thrilled to invite us to put some money into action as I invite us into a time of giving. The offering plate will be passed here in the sanctuary, and I encourage you to be generous as God is generous to us. If you are online, you may give in two ways. Online at edmundsumc.org give, or by sending a check via mail to 828 Casper Street, Edmonds, Washington, 98020. Thank you for supporting the ministries and staff at UMC.
for the generous gifts of life that you give to us each day. Help us to share these monetary gifts in ways that reveal your boundless love for our world and each precious soul in your creation. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Please be seated. And I have just a very few announcements to make this morning. Um, First of all, today, environmental eating in the chapel, right after worship. Um, and uh, there are a bunch of announcements in the back of the bulletin you'll want to pay attention to. Um, also want to invite you uh, to come to a celebration of life for Desmond Ted Neff, Linda Berg's father, this coming Saturday at one o'clock here in the sanctuary, and of course, Everyone is invited to be a part of that celebration. And now well, there's a special announcement, and I would invite Deb and Mary to come forward. No. Come on. Now it's on. 
morning, church. I am Deb Hawley, Mary Feldhouse. We're very excited this morning, very excited. (laughs) I'd like to read a letter um, from the bishop and Mark along, um, and I hope you get excited as we are. Dated January 27th, 2024, to all our siblings at Edmonds United Methodist Church, grace to you and peace from God, our creator and Christ, our savior. I am writing this letter to share with you that Bishop Cedric Bridgeforth intends to appoint Reverend Jeremy Smith as pastor of Edmonds United Methodist Church, effective July 1st, 2024. Reverend Smith is an ordained elder from the Oregon-Idaho Conference, currently serving as pastor at First United Methodist Church in Seattle. Prior to this appointment, he has served as pastor of churches in Massachusetts, Oklahoma, and Oregon. Pastor Jeremy is happily married to Chelsea, and together they have three children, Anjali, Kelly, and Nora. Kaylee. 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 Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Feel free to announce this to the congregation beginning de- Sunday, December 20 or January 28, 2024. An official announcement of the appointment will soon follow. In the meantime, please note that this information is only for your church family. <laughs> it is not public yet. And so we encourage it not being shared on social media until it is officially announced in an appointment express email from the bishop's office. I also pray for God's grace and abundant blessing on your pastor, the Reverend Donna Pritchard, especially during this time of transition. <clears throat> I hope you can find ways to honor and thank Pastor Donna for her many years of faithful service to this church. Family, may the Holy, finally, may the Holy Spirit continue to enliven and guide your lives and ministries so you can become the radically welcoming and loving faith community you were always meant to be. I think Donna would like to say a few words. You hang on to that, because you may want to also say just a couple more. So I'm excited about this appointment. Um, I worked with Jeremy for five years at Portland First. He was one of my associate pastors. I have experienced him as a person of great integrity, great administrative and organizational skills, a good preacher, excellent uh, with interpersonal communication across generations, and maybe even most importantly, a good sense of humor. (laughs) So I believe you will be well served, and I know that Jeremy and his family are very excited to come and to be here in ministry and partnership with all of you. So on Thursday, the administrative board met with Pastor Jeremy, and um, there are so many things I could tell you about that excite me about having Pastor Jeremy come to this church. A few are, um, he's very excited about being at a community church, 
Right now, he's in Seattle. He lives in Renton. He has quite the commute. He's very excited about his short commute, not <laughs> only from the parsonage to the church, but also living in the community where he'll be serving. Um, he's also very excited for his children. He wants to be here long-term because he'd like his children to go all the way through high school here. That's 12 years. Now, <laughs> I'm not committing him to 12 years, but that's what I <laughs> added up when he said his youngest is six. Um, as Pastor Donna just said, he has a sense of humor. I think that really came out when one of our uh, board members said, Pastor Donna has started this door prize thing. <laughs> and Pastor Jeremy put his head down and said, oh, Pastor Donna. But he wrote it down. So that may be something that will be continuing. I'm not promising that either. But um, those are just a few things that I'm very excited about, Pastor Jeremy. I would like to thank Pastor Donna. <laughs> she has worked tirelessly with the bishop and trying to find the best person for us. And I'm confident she's done it. And I thank you. Thank you. Thank you both. Um, just a, another little quick uh, anecdote. So at the uh, board meeting on Thursday, um, there were three members who wanted to be participating via Zoom, and then there were some technical issues and they weren't able to connect. And so I thought, oh, this is really unfortunate. So I called Jeremy and I said, hey, Jeremy, you got any time for another Zoom call for these three people? And he said, of course, we'll make the time. And so that happened yesterday morning. And um, I thanked him for doing that. And he wrote back and said, no, no, no. Thank you for caring for the people. And that really warmed my heart because, again, it was uh, another way of reminding me that this is someone who really does have a pastor's heart and is going to continue to love all of you the way that I love you and will continue to love you now and into the future. So thanks be to God, and I have great, great hopes for the future of this congregation under Jeremy's leadership. Well, now that we've done all of that, I think we ought to sing again, don't you? Let's stand for the closing hymn.
Now, my friends, let us go out to be God's people in all God's world. Let us go out remembering God's faithfulness and pledging our own. And may the peace of Christ go with us all. Amen.